Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans, with your host, Tony Reed. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It is the 3rd of March, year of our Lord, 2024. And I decided it's a good time to do a 8th anniversary show. Yeah, so we got the little soundboard that cannot connect to this because it's made for fucking phones and they lied when I bought it. But at least I got a little voice box to make it some sounds. So I went back through the catalog for the last two weeks trying to come up with things that I think would make a good sample of what we've covered on the show. I've edited the first track down. It's one of the first things I ever did. I had Tom in Tucson, who no longer listens and talks to me, who uh, did the read-in. So that's why I did on the front of the show. And the first show was done on a phone. I recorded on a phone, mixed it on Audacity on my laptop until I could buy a mic that I bought at Mary's Music in Clarksville, Tennessee. I got a Samson with a box, and it's all high speed. I still have it. I just don't use it. And... The phone one, I did a social commentary about vegan, vegans and LGBTQ, which would probably get me canceled then. It would get me canceled now. So I've edited down, and this is what it sounded like. And doing your thing. That's what you should be doing because you're a lesbian. And if you're gay, you should be walking around like two freaking lumberjacks in flannel shirts, suspenders, grunting with a big old chunk of red man in your mouth. You should be manning the fuck up. Because I know who I am. I'm a carnivore. I am throwing down on whatever meat product you chuck in front of me. I go to Redizio's, any of you have ever been there, Brazilian steak, house they could put freaking camel cock on that stick and their little gaucho outfit walk to next to my table and i'm getting a slice of camel cock i'm chowing that shit it could be whale rectum on a stick i'm eating it and i am all about boobs vaginas women in dresses things like that specifically my wife the only vagina and boobs that I like are my wife, because here's a segment. It's only boob and vagina I'm looking at. But I like that. That's what I am for. That's what I'm about. 
as a head row. So if you're in one of these classifications, you classify yourself as this. I'm not classifying you. You walk around, I'm a vegan. You ruin every fucking Thanksgiving and every fucking family meal and every fucking thing on this planet and bitch and protest out of sight as a fucking Tyson chicken house because the way chickens are harvested. Freaking stop eating shit that tastes like meat. And you gay people that are still bitching and fucking moaning about rights that you already have and how we're all just a bunch of fucking assholes because we don't want to become gay. Be whatever you are and like whatever you are as your partner. Dude up or chick up. Just quit being freaky. Because when you do this shit and you follow hetero lifestyle and you eat your freaky ass fucking hamburgers made out of mushrooms that taste like freaking lamb I'm calling you out and I'm calling you jackasses what the fuck is wrong with you people sweet lord yeah the sound quality was not the greatest back in those days because I was just starting to do it, and I got pushed to do it by family and friends because I talked about politics a little bit, and I bashed the media all the time. Going back to uh, Fort Irwin, where I would talk about politics at the end of my career to other people, including officers, and it was during election season. It was 2004, 2005, and we would sit and talk around the campfire where we threw coals and made our dinners as OCs in Fort Irwin. And I always joked I was going to be the mayor of Clarksville, which I, of course, never was the mayor of Clarksville or ran or wanted to be a politician to begin with. But I did enjoy dogging the media. So this was a fun thing that's gotten way more traction than I thought I would. I mean, it's not great, but people listen all the time. Been doing this eight years on average, 30, 40,000 a year. That's not bad. That's quite a bit. Um, one of the things that got me fired up was the John Gibson show. I would listen to the John Gibson show on Fox News Radio, which doesn't really exist anymore on Sirius. It's, the, the talk's gone. And he would hit subjects, and I'd be driving home. So one of the days I came back, Braveheart skit, to save the bathrooms, a thing we're still dealing with, oh, so many years later. from episode 44, which was aired on May 14th. America! Tony Reed. 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 Tony Reed! Feet tall. Yes, I've heard. Kills men by the hundreds. And if you were here... Progressives! Fireballs from his eyes. And bolts of lightning from his arse. <laughs> Tony Reed. And I see a whole army of my countrymen here in defiance of tyranny. You've come to fight as free men. And free men you are. What will you do without freedom? Will you fight? 
will live. Aye. Fight and you may die. Run and you'll live. At least a while. I'm dying in your beds many years from now. Would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for one chance, just one chance, to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they'll never take Yes, we must get our regular bathroom. Yes, yes, yes. When we didn't have a booth and I recorded in hotel rooms, it surely didn't sound as good. And I definitely didn't understand the concept of uh, layering the volumes. (laughs) That's a little off. But that, of course, was the transgender bathroom shit at the end of the Obama administration. And I remember driving cross country, and we went a little long today, but I, it was a segment on my favorite uh, talk show host, God John Gibson. He got booted off Fox, and I stayed with him for a couple years. But uh... When I first started the podcast, I wanted to do military stuff because, of course, I'm a veteran. I'm a retiree. Every time you look at the backdrop here, it's got something to do with military or the Oregon Ducks. Ducks and military. It's pretty much my genre. And I remember one of the podcasts that really broke me was the fall of Afghanistan. To a lot of civilians, that didn't mean shit to them because they never fought. But the nearly 15,000 people that died, veterans and contractors, and the 150,000 fucking suicides plus one because I this close to least four times to us it meant something so in the beginning of the show the 15th and 16th episode really was dealing with Operation Anaconda so our next two bites are going to be the fall of Afghanistan show where I've edited the sound bites from the media with my commentary at the end of the show, which will have a little bump and you'll go into a very short section of Daniel Chapman. I play him on most of the anniversary ones. I didn't do an anniversary for Ganacon. It's 22 years ago now. Um, but I always think of him. I lost everybody when I left Facebook. We were keeping in touch that way and I pretty much lost everybody. I don't use social media anymore. But I'm going to play a little bit of his so here's two back-to-back. The Afghanistan one's rather long, but it's one of the major subjects that we covered throughout this was war and how the media covers the war different for Democrat presidents and Republican presidents, never spites or dogs them for what they did. It's just a fucking hot mess.
the Taliban also has to make an assessment about what they want their role to be in the international community. I don't think that uh, the fact that our forces are, are withdrawing, one, we're not withdrawing, we're staying, uh, the embassy is staying, our programs are staying, we're working to make sure that other partners stay, we're building all of that up. And uh, whatever happens in Afghanistan, if there is a significant deterioration security, um, that could well happen. We've discussed this uh, before. Um, I don't think it's going to be something that happens from a Friday to a Monday. The Taliban takeover of Afghanistan now and that. Well equipped, as well equipped as any army against something like 75,000 Taliban. It is not inevitable. Mr. President, thank you very much. Your own intelligence community has assessed that the Afghan government will likely collapse. That is not true. Is it, can you please clarify what they have told you about whether that will happen or not? That is not true. They, so, did, not, they didn't, did not reach that conclusion. So what is the level of confidence that they have that it will not collapse? The Afghan government and leadership has to come together. They clearly have the capacity to sustain the government in place. And do you see any parallels between this withdrawal and what happened in Vietnam with some people feeling... None whatsoever. Zero. What you had is you had entire brigades breaking through the gates of our embassy. With respect to Afghanistan, our primary military objective at this point is a change of mission to conduct a safe, responsible, coordinated, and deliberate retrograde of U.S. forces from Afghanistan in good order. We will do this in a synchronized fashion, shoulder to shoulder with our allies and NATO partners. And we've been steadily reducing our presence for almost a decade. And we are now in the final phase of that strategic retrograde. As you know, we've been transferring steadily functions and responsibilities to the Afghan security forces for a considerable amount of time. The President of the United States has given us a window to be First of all, on the issue of critical race theory, et cetera, I'll, I'll obviously have to get much smarter on whatever the theory is. Um, but I do think it's important, actually, uh, for those of us in uniform to be open-minded and be widely read. And the United States Military Academy is a university. Uh, and it is important that we train and we understand. Uh, and I, I want to understand white rage. And I'm white. And I want to understand it. So what is it that caused thousands of people to assault this building and try to overturn the Constitution? Of General Taylor? Okay. Uh, General, has the U.S. military conducted any airstrikes today or in the last 24 hours or so? And also, there have been some reports of Afghan pilots um, flying their aircraft into other countries. Um, is that happening? And is the U.S. taking any other sort of steps to prevent aircraft or other military equipment from falling into the hands of the Taliban? Yeah. First on the uh, first question on the strikes. Um, no, no strikes have been conducted in the last uh, 24 hours, but uh, the commander on the ground continues uh, to maintain that capability if required uh, to do so. Uh, the commander has the assets uh, that are available uh, there at HKIA and in support uh, from other areas of, of the region. Um, I, I don't have information on the uh, your second part of the question. Those things are what America is yeah. about. It's just melting pot. The other thing I'll just say is I was talking to a Democrat 
who just said this also felt like the Avengers. It felt like we're being rescued from this, this <laughs> craziness that we've all lived through from the last 40 years. And now here are the superheroes to come and save us all. You know, David Plus. Additionally, the U.N. Security Council issued a joint press statement earlier today calling for a new government that is united, inclusive and representative including with the full and full and meaningful participation of women. The council spoke with one voice to underscore that Afghanistan must abide by its international obligations, including to international humanitarian law and ensure the safety and security of all Afghans and international citizens. برادران میدان ماشر برای مردمی میدان ماشر است سندان پول چرخی کل مردم آزاد و تمراز Thank you. May God protect our troops, our diplomats, and all brave Americans serving in harm's way. First to national security correspondent Jennifer Griffin. Uh, she's live at the Pentagon with some breaking details. Jennifer, what did you just learn from the Kirby briefing that happened at the Pentagon a short time ago? Well, Sandra, that briefing just ended. But first, I've just received a very credible firsthand report from those on the ground in Kabul saying that the Taliban are going door to door looking for those who had worked with, had fought alongside the Americans, and they are looking already for retribution. There are terrified people cowering their houses, trying to destroy any evidence that they had worked with the Americans. What we learned from John Kirby, the press secretary here at the Pentagon. We learned the defense secretary authorized another battalion from the 82nd Airborne, which had been on standby in Kuwait, to go to Kabul. That should bring the number of U.S. troops authorized to return to Afghanistan to 6,000. As of now, there are 2,500 at the Kabul airport. Another 500 are expected to land by tomorrow once flights resume at the international airport. No flights are taking off right now, according to Kirby, as U.S. troops try to secure the airport and regain control after thousands of Afghans flooded the tarmac. Two security incidents to mention at the Kabul International Airport today, with two armed Afghans killed by U.S. troops. Uh, they had a hostile intent, according to John Kirby. No indication, however, that they were Taliban, according to Kirby. There is a 
preliminary report that one U.S. service member was injured in the melee and shooting at the airport today. As of now, only a few hundred people have been evacuated from Kabul on U.S. flights. 22,000 could be flown to bases in the U.S. Negotiations are continuing for a third country, for another country in the region to process about 8,000 SIVs, special immigrant visas. Back to you. Wow. Stunning developments. Jennifer, what are witnesses describing there on the ground at this hour? Well, witnesses have described to us scenes of humanitarian disaster at the Kabul International Airport, and military sources said they do not expect to remain on the ground for more than three days, not enough time to evacuate the 30,000 Afghans they plan to help. Fox News exclusively obtained this photo, a searing photo of the U.S. Embassy uh, flag that was being carried out of Kabul on an evacuation flight. Videos show Afghans swarming U.S. C-17 transport planes this morning with at least a few uh, Afghans clinging to the wheels. Uh, at least one of those Afghans fell uh, to his death. Uh, again, scenes of humanitarian disaster at the airport. No flights taking off. The U.S. military, the Marines and the, and the 82nd Airborne trying to regain some control and to push the thousands of Afghans who have stormed the airport, trying desperately to get out. Sandra. Jennifer Griffin, uh, live for us on this. Jennifer, uh, we will check back in with you shortly. Thank you. Trace? Pictures are... Biden's fault, but he's been pushing for it forever. The lineage that have served from when I did in 2001 to 2002 to now. 2,446 dead soldiers. I did a lot of tweeting yesterday, and one of them I think was pretty true. This was the forgotten war. Media, the left, hated Iraq. Plus, it became really good for them. No WMDs. George Bush lied. People died. Shit, shtick. But if you follow the store show, uh, that's why I didn't register as a Democrat. They wouldn't even finance shit. 
everything was a football. Then Obama takes over. And we turned the whole thing into, I don't even know what it was. I just don't know what it was. It was a mess. We just didn't finish the job. We never finished it. We would gain ground. We'd give it back. So not does this, this doesn't just affect us because we fought there and we lost friends and people committed suicide over that god-awful war. It's a people we met. There'll be a picture in a second of a guy I met. He was from Chicago. It was the first time he could go back to his country because the Taliban wasn't in charge. And he was there trying to help as an interpreter. I don't know where he is. I don't know if he's alive. I don't know if he's dead. I know now because of utter incompetence by the State Department, they know everybody who ever served with us, helped us, and they're going to kill them all. Because while we spend all this time talking about how bad America is and how everybody's racist unless you believe like the liberals in the mainstream media. I mean, we, we, we're talking about parents that don't want CRT and to mask their kids. Parents who just want their kids to go back to work. To this. I mean, it was quick, but this was going on. He announced in April he was doing this. What did we do to prepare? Why didn't we evacuate interpreters? Why? We have dead soldiers all over the Middle East. A lady tweeted yesterday, her husband's still there. There was nothing to pick up after the helicopter crashed. So that Biden could get a photo op that war accomplished? I mean, did we not just start all this with Bush saying mission accomplished and he didn't even put the banner up, some jackass did? And how embarrassing that was? And how... They were so out of touch. Do we remember this? But this cat can do it. I've had friends reach out, and I appreciate every one of you, but I, there's only one person on TV that's done anything, Brett Bear. He ended his show with, I know it's tough. We appreciate you. Because I don't think people understand there is a lot, over 800,000 people have served in Afghanistan. And to literally live the last seven months where we're all racist Nazi insurrectionists, our military leaders spending more time looking at how to root out Trump voters because they're evil 
than war fight. That's just astounding. Because boom, it's gone. Everything anybody worked for, it's all gone. When I got there, we were finishing the end of the Taliban. 20 years later, the Taliban owns the country. When I got there, we were stopping them from melting women's face and all the shit that happened to anybody who didn't believe in the religion they believed in. Now it's back. It's just unbelievable. It's just unbelievable. That's why you saw those men on the airfield. They probably served with us. They gotta leave. Where are the women and children? They're fucking hiding they're hiding those are real insurrectionists not the geriatrics who walked through the capital and trespassed the, the, it just shows how unserious we are as a people, just unserious. We've been at the mall. We've been on social media. We've been concerned about the dumbest fucking most trivial things like pronouns. All cops are murderers and all the things we've gone through. The, the, What about this? Why can't we as a country between administrations continue one task anymore? And I think that's a part the the thing that's being missed by everybody. We are so fractured as a nation politically that a war can't be handed off between administrations. I had a soundbite today, and I don't know where the hell it went, of Ford, after the fall of Saigon, sitting on a podium getting grilled by the media. There he is, from Chicago, right there. Great guy. Was at the SF base, talked to him every day. He was just a really good dude. But Ford sat there and he took it. I just don't think we're serious people anymore. We're just not serious. Our fucking phones and all the things that we care about are so unimportant. I mean, look at COVID. We can't even do a fucking pandemic without it being political right off the bat. But as all things on this show, 
It's the fucking media. They make it political. I remember after the, the helicopter crash, a number of people from my squad were, most of the people in my squad were injured badly enough that they had to be evacuated stateside. Mm-hmm. So it was only myself and a couple other individuals that were able to return to duty. So we got folded back into the platoon, and then uh, we did security detail there at uh, Kandahar Airfield along the perimeter protecting the air base, which at that point was... Uh, very primitive facility, not like it is now, obviously. There's just a few tents there and some old shot-up buildings, some old Russian junk. Um, it was pretty long, mundane duty there, a lot of staring into the desert, staring into the night. We had some limited contact on the border, a few, or on the perimeter of the base a few times, uh, but nothing terribly exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, then we got word about Operation Anaconda, and that's when we really started to get prepped up for our first major combat operation. Raj, in, in the previous episode, I played uh, excerpts from the flight because I had the, the video that we all got from, which is all edited. It doesn't really show anything. It's just basically the helicopter ride, and I use the sound effects off it. And then in the documentary that I'm going to play on this podcast, um, it's actually preceding you right now, uh, Daniel. You are in the compound, actually, um, doing the uh, EPW search for the objective. So kind of wanted to see if you you would talk through landing through that portion of the operation, and uh, then we can discuss the movement to battle position Betty. Oh, sure. Um, So Operation Anaconda, we were one of the first birds in, and we were um, tasked to land at our LZ and secure a compound that, uh, that was nearby. Um, I re- it's my recollection, I don't know if you remember the same thing, that the compound was supposed to have been previously secured by U.S. forces. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a lot of confusion if it was going to be secured or not be secured. Right, so, I, so our impression coming in was that that was a secure area coming in. So uh, I wouldn't say we were relaxed, we knew that there was going to be contact in the area, but... Uh, I don't think we were anticipating contact right, you know, right on the LZ as we landed. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, d- I definitely remember coming down and uh, coming down on the bird with the platoon and, and landing there on the LZ uh, a few hundred meters across from a fairly large compound with a half a dozen outbuildings in it. Um, that was my first, I think probably most people's first taste of what everybody would consider, you know, real combat, where we're mm-hmm. kind of like the move, what I imagine combat would be, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so we, we flew in, we landed, we started taking fire on the LZ. Um, there was, uh, I remember kind of a burst of confusion a little bit when the first round started to come in. Uh, everyone's trying to get oriented and figuring out where everybody's at and where the incoming fire Fire is, but after that, people started to return fire. Uh, we, everybody, uh, fell in line. Their training kicked in. We established a base of fire and started to maneuver our elements toward the uh, compound to take the compound from the enemy fighters and secure the objective. Right. Um, were you? Were I you? Sub- remember, go ahead. Sorry. I do remember um, 
it was a really cold morning. Yeah. It was really crisp, and the air was totally, you know, calm and still. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of adrenaline pumping. I'm sure everybody was pretty excited, but, uh, but we were, we, I really felt like this was the first time we were really getting to do our duty and, you know, do the job I had trained for for years at that point. Raj, Raj. I remember, um, I remember when we got in there, and by the time I was with the support by fire, and so I moved forward and was the last one in, and you had already started tearing down uh, the objective and pulling stuff out. Were you surprised by the amount of weaponry they had in that building? Oh, I was. I was very surprised um, when we initially moved up to the to the build. There was a, a, a couple, a few buildings surrounded by kind of a walled compound. And um, we had been taking fire from that area. We had suppressed those buildings and moved up. The first, uh, the first team, Sergeant Vito's team, if I recall correctly, had yeah. come up and uh, established a foothold in the compound, taken the initial doorways and objectives. And my team was the team that pushed through and uh, you know went and secured the area that turned out to be the living quarters for the. Uh, al-Qaeda fighters that had, had holed up in that building. Um, yeah, I was very surprised. There was a, a large amount of weaponry, explosives, ammunition, food, supplies, medical gear, uh, hand grenades, dynamite, plastic explosives. I mean, they were, uh, they were definitely the bad guys. They were ready for war. Yeah, yeah. In the preceding interview with uh, Lieutenant Dan, um, or Lieutenant D Dave, I keep calling Lieutenant Dan like Forrest Gump. Um, uh, Daniel was the one that found my bag, which was from Beaverton, Oregon, and he's the one that found it, and then I humped it out along with my satellite radio, which turned out to be the best intel we got, correct? My radio was worth the hump that I did it, but um, I, I that was my point that I was really blown away because you only could get that from Beaverton, Oregon. So one of these chucks that you know we took over their houses – and it could have been the when I started getting really really sick about a year ago I thought I was going to die and I got very internalized suicidal ideation really unhappy and I mourned a guy I fired and every day I'd walk up this hill amongst the memorials on Fort Campbell and I'd go to the the pylon they have for the Rakasans, huge wall with all the Korean War and Vietnam dead, and then smaller ones for the Afghanistan and Iraq conflicts. And I would go and talk to Troy Jenkins. I always felt guilty about his death because I fired him from 2nd Battalion 187. He moved to 3rd Battalion 187, and he dove on a bomblet thrown at them by a little girl and I always thought well that's my fault because if I went and fired him we would stay in the second bat and nothing would have happened to him it's not true it's the way it worked talked about him a lot online ran into one of his soldiers who said he knew me and he said it isn't your fault he talked really highly of you because at the end we did talk and for some reason I suppressed that we did and he walked up to me and thanked me and said it woke him up and he started doing the right thing, and he got a squad, and he got promotable, and it was all because I fired him. He was just an angry guy with reason. Previous platoon sergeant put him on machine gun. He's E5. We had E4 team leaders. That was stupid. 
So sometime last year, the Veterans Day, there was the note on the grave. Instead of trying to read it again or almost cry, I'm just going to play last year's version. Hey, brother. Just checking in. Looks like some of the other boys have come by today. Lots of flowers. Did you ever think you'd be getting a bunch of flowers from guys in the platoon? I sure didn't. But here you go. They'll look good for a little while anyway. Then they'll wilt and brown. Then the graveskeeper will take them away. Nothing stays forever. I wish you could have stayed a little longer, though. I really like to see you smile again. Hear you laugh. Your laugh made other people laugh, me included. A little joy in the world. Joy that is now gone. I miss that. I miss you. But the world moves on. Time stops for no man. Look at me. Gray hair. Wrinkled skin. I'm the old guy we used to laugh about. Who's laughing now? Even my kids are all grown up. They aren't kids anymore. You'd be proud. Time goes quick. You taught me that. You taught me so much. I was angry at first. Angry at you. Angry at myself. Angry at the world. I couldn't understand why. Why you? Why were you taken from this world? Taken from me? My anger grew, but it was all for me. Selfish. Eventually the anger consumed itself. I realized my anger was unwarranted. Over time it diminished. Thankful to have known you. Thankful to have spent time with you. Thankful to have served alongside you. Thankful to call you friend and brother. Thankful for this life you have given me. You won't grow old, so I can. Your dreams were lost, so my dreams could be found. Your hopes were extinguished, so my hopes could be realized. Your future was cut short, so my future could flourish. In your death, you gave me life. I will live this life to the fullest, I promise. I will not squander a moment, not a breath, not a sunset, not a laugh. I will live to honor the gift you gave me, the life I owe you. I will never forget. Until next time, your brother. Okay, if you're watching this on video, it's probably looking weird. It just looks like a logo because all this, most of this until 2021, January 6th, 2021 was the first time I did video. I went to a vidcast. And it's way easier to produce because I just video and put it in a little...
program that I purchased and it, boom, makes the damn video and I make that an MP3. It's so much easier to put online. Then what I used to do was Audacity and have Windows and Windows and have to get one hour in, produce, then do the next hour, produce, and then put the two together and produce and produce and I blew up fucking laptops doing that shit. So that's why you're seeing just a logo and things behind it. So going way, way, way back... We're going to play Santa skit from 18 or 19 I did. It was really the first skit. I tried a Russian skit about Russian dressing, which was a joke, and it didn't come out very good. But this Santa one, I did voice changes and all sorts of cool shit. And we're going to go into one of my favorite segments I've ever played on the show. Another rape poem. Okay, elves. Okay, let, let, let's settle down. As you know, since there's a new president in America, there are always changes up here in the North Pole. With the 2020 election, there are major changes. So I've asked our new Biden administration appointed HR elf, Alexandria Keza Elfish, to come and brief you all by shifts on the new directives from Washington. AOE, the floor is yours. Thank you, Mr. Claus. Over the past four years, the previous administration allowed way too many things to happen to lift. It has been a dark time for the world, and we are here to make things right again, and we will build Christmas better. are necessary to bring Christmas to a more fair and equitable process for all children of the world. So starting Christmas 2021, we will give all children a present. Not your nice is not inclusive. So we must include all children in gift giving or no gifts at all. Next is toy category. Those will be scrapped. From now on, we will not issue toys based on what they ask for, nor their gender. Toys will be given as they come out of the sleigh. Gender is a social construct, so blue or pink ideas need to just go away. As we move forward and build Christmas better, we will also, next Christmas, issue a gender pronoun coloring book to every child in the world. It is important due to bullying, not brainwashing. Oops, did I say that out loud? It is important that every child understands how important it is to accept that a three-year-old can pick their own gender and be called whatever they want. Also, that they should be able to change their sex through hormone treatment and reassignment surgery. Next, we need to look at the impact this operation has on Mother Earth. We must have a green new Christmas. I thought we wanted a white Christmas! And it has to be implemented not only in the operation of this toy factory, but also on how we make and distribute toys. Too bad. 
than the northern hemisphere. This not only is better for Mother Earth, but it also ensures that POC children get their presents first. I need not tell you how the very myth of Santa Claus is hugely patriarchal and promotes systemic racism. This normal east to west route compounds the systemic racism. So we will go southern hemisphere first, then northern hemisphere. We may not make it to America next year. It will take time to work out the kinks. But America is a majority white country. They can use to miss a few Christmases due to their racism and hegemony. That makes no sense. Keep it on, bitch. In keeping with the green new Christmas, we also are creating new toys every year from scratch. This is so wasteful and is killing the planet. So we will start recycling toys. Yes, I know this sounds hard, but it's quite simple. White children will play with their toys till March, nail them back to the North Pole, and they will be recycled back into the system for next year. We'll do a quick cleanup. Those toys will go to different children, but they'll be white kids, so they really won't notice, for they're spoiled and have white privilege. And before you ask, of course, POC children will always get brand new toys that we will make from scratch. I think she sounds like a racist. Give it bitch. Lastly, due to years of patriarchy, the very systemic racism that is truly rooted in the legend and myth of Santa Claus. It's why we have slavery. That's right, Santa really brought the world slavery. And it's permeated through the millennia. Next year, we will have a new Santa. Santa Chantella, will you come out, please? Hey! That's not even an elf. Chantella, or Santa Chantella, is of African-American, Puerto Rican ancestry. She is transgender, her pronouns are it and that, and she is also disabled, or as we say, able, for we chopped her leg off to ensure she fit in many categories. So sadly, Santa, you're fired. Get that bitch! We're in his room after the party, a few drinks, and then everything was warm and smoothed over, and then this moment, quickly punctured by supposedly sweet whispers that felt like barbed wire. To me, come on, don't you love me? His hands pushed me back. Warning! It's that time again. Time for another rape poem. The audience sighs just back in their seats. Oh boy, you say these bitches are about to go off. Off about rape and pain. And no, I said no. He, he didn't, didn't listen. listen. And you ask, why another rape poem? Didn't, didn't I just hear like three of these? Yeah, you probably did. I'm surprised in a country where someone is sexually assaulted every two minutes. Oh. Oh, wow. Trauma is a trope. My Elise is a cliche. Why you sit back and ask? Why so many damn rape poems? We wouldn't need so many damn rape poems. America had listened the first time. As if these poems were the fairs to be in this fucking country like apple pie and roofies. We wouldn't need so many damn rape poems if our bodies were ours alone. We wouldn't need so many damn rape poems if everyone knew what no meant. We wouldn't need so many damn rape poems if Budweiser stopped selling our bodies stretched across the six pack. And maybe we wouldn't need so many damn rape poems if everyone would live.
listen to this one. But it seems to us these lessons have yet to be learned. Don't tell me she was sober enough to make a decision. Don't tell me she was asking for Don't it. Don't tell me to pity him for making her consequences. Do you complain about another rape poem? But this is all part of a culture. The, the rape, rape poems will continue. Until I can wear whatever I want and not be called a slat. Until I can trust my drink with someone at a party when I need to take a piss. Until I can walk alone on dark streets and not be catcalled. Who's your daddy? Get back over ow, here. Ow. Damn, look at that ass. Until I can wear heels without being asked who I'm trying to impress. Until my voice speaks louder than my outfit. Until I'm not expected to carry pepper spray on my keychain. Until no really means no. Until rape means crime. Until woman means human. The rape poems will continue until there is no damn material left. Trans people have vaginas too. If you just stumbled on the show, it seems like we cover a lot of LGBTQ stuff because we're covering the kid stuff a lot. Because that is one of my um, huge pet peeves. Don't give a fuck about adults. Have friends that were LGBTQ. One of my buddies in the army was LGBTQ. I don't care who you fuck, who you suck, what you think you are. I give no shits, but when it comes to kids, it's fucked up. So we covered things that it is the LGBTQ, GLAD, all these organizations trying to basically force everything on people, which just drives me fucking crazy. But the media has been all in. Just all in. So here is an actual article that was newsworthy on CNN about Santa being gay for a children's Christmas book with Mr. and Mr. Claw. There's a new children's book out this Christmas. Takes us inside Santa's wedding. We meet Santa's husband, David. We're going to talk to the author and the illustrator ahead. Still ahead? A holiday children's book tells the story of Santa Claus with a fresh new twist. There are some families, though, not so happy about the book's maybe not so hidden agenda. Yeah, they call it a political agenda. We have the author and the illustrator here with us live to talk about their new book, Santa's Husband. Well, with the Christmas holiday right around the corner, millions of people are getting really into the spirit with the thoughts of family and gifts and, of course, Santa Claus. Mm -hmm. So do us a favor here. Yeah. Victor had a very good idea. Close your eyes. Close yeah. your eyes with me and, and think of Santa and his spouse. Now open them. This is the cover of the new book. Is this the image that popped in your head? This is the cover of Santa's Husband, a new children's book that hit stores nationwide this holiday season. And joining me now, the author, uh, Daniel Kibblesmith, and illustrator, Ashley Quatch. Good morning to both of you. Hi, hey, good morning. morning. So, Thanks for having us. Certainly. Thank you for coming in. This is new. Uh, Daniel, first to you. What inspired Santa's husband? Uh, well, uh, it was sort of inspired by the uh, annual tradition we have in this country of pretending that there's a giant war on Christmas. <laughs> and that uh, traditional Christmas is under attack. So, um, uh, among other things, uh, we were uh, reading all of the news about uh, the Mall of America hiring a black Santa Claus last year. 
And uh, me and uh, my now wife uh, made a joke on Twitter that uh, if we ever had a child, they would only know about black Santa Claus. And if they saw a white Santa Claus at the mall, we would just explain, well, that's his husband. Uh, and then uh, Ashley and I knew each other uh, from the Internet and from her illustration already. And The left and the media are always saying they're not going after your children. We're not going after your children. Clearly, you are when almost all the literature nowadays is coming out. That, that is so benign compared to anal sex advice. How to jerk off properly. Pull on your balls. That's actually for kids, like sixth graders and shit. And then, of course, we have the people that outright say it and say, fuck you. We don't give a shit. We are. And the San Francisco choir, all right, gay men's choir, came out and did We'll Convert Your Children. Well, there was a follow-up where a large percentage of that fucking choir had lewd and lascivious acts against 14-year-old or younger kids. As we celebrate pride on the progress we've made over these past years, there's still work to be done. So to those of you out there who are still working against equal rights, we have a message for you. You think we're sinful? You fight against our rights. You say we all lead lives you can't respect. But you're just frightened. You think that we'll corrupt your kids if our agenda goes unchecked. Funny, just this once, you're correct. We'll convert your children. Happens bit by bit, quietly and subtly, and you will barely notice it. You can keep them from disco, warn about San Francisco, make him wear pleated pants, we don't care. We'll convert your children. We'll make them tolerant and fair. At first, I didn't get why you'd be so scared of us turning your children into accepting, caring people, but I see now why you'd have a problem with that. Just like you worried, they'll change their group of friends. You won't approve of where they go at night to protest. But when you'll be disgusted, when they start finding things online that you've kept far from their sight, like information. Guess what? You'll still be alright. We'll convert your children. Yes, we will. Reaching one and all, there's really no escaping it. Cause even Grandma likes RuPaul. And the world's getting kinder. Gen Z's gayer than Grinder. Learn to love, learn to vogue, face your fate. We'll convert your children. Someone's gotta teach them not to hate. We're coming for them. We're coming for your children. We're coming for them. We're coming for your children. We're coming for Your children will care about fairness and justice for others. 
Well, they really were trying to convert the children with their penis. Never reported. And that's the worst part about all this, the LGBTQ, the T portion. How many trans activists have harassed people, or trans individuals, have harassed people in the bathroom, sexually assaulted people, kids, pedophilia? In the last three months, we've had four activists get caught with child porn. And the media doesn't cover it. But when a pastor does something, oh, we're on it, damn it. We're on it. You and your values, fuck you. So an incident that didn't seem like a huge one, but I did keep, was the trans activist on the White House lawn showing his titties. And the media defended this bullshit. My message is that Welcome to the White House. Thank you. <laughs> Happy Pride Month. Happy Pride Year. Happy Pride Life. Yeah. Transgender children. You are beautiful. You are heard. You belong. You're understood. You are loved. And you belong. Some of the bravest and most inspiring people Yet, I've ever known. You all come to us young people. And I mean, you're welcome. Good folks. How dare you? Can we take a little video? Hi, Mr. Please President. It is an honor for trans rights and human rights. With your empty words. Please stop the violence. statement that uh, the White House believes that was inappropriate and disrespectful. Is there going to be a greater effort in the future to communicate a code of conduct for White House staff? How dare you continue to look away? We've, as you mentioned, and the come here uh, saying that, that you are doing enough from us when the politics today. and uh, the, solutions the needed are still nowhere uh, in sight. Clear about that. It was unfair to the hundreds you say you hear of us attendees and that who were you there to celebrate the their families. Uh, but no so, matter how sad you know, and angry I am, to to I do not want that. to believe that. And, uh, because if you really understood the situation and still kept on failing to act, then you would be evil, and that I refuse to believe. To celebrate the LGBTQ plus families, again, hundreds of families who were here to celebrate their community. The popular idea of cutting our emissions in half in 10 years only gives us a 50% chance of staying below 1.5 degrees and the risk of setting off irreversible chain reactions beyond a human normal control. thing that has happened under this administration. 50% uh, but may be acceptable to you. How, uh, how we saw this particular but those numbers uh, behavior. do not... The direct correlation between the left and the media allowing people to do all sorts of fucking shit as long as they're voting for the right people. How about this? Trans activists under Obama's term going up and flipping off Reagan, who they blame for AIDS, that they he didn't act enough for AIDS. That he purposely let people die because of Christianity. So they believe. Some of them believe the government did to get rid of gays. But, you know, I digress. In our woke sections, we come up with some really crazy fucking shit. I mean, just crazy shit. So I'm going to play back-to-back a lady going on about how awesome Pasaki is. 
and Greta Thunberg segment from a podcast. How, how, how dare you? Our government's now full of folks who are extraordinary. But I'm especially impressed by the new press secretary. She's gained a reputation for her brain in every session, as well as for the way she likes to use one pet expression. Circle back, Jen Psaki, circle back. That's your way of saying to the media pack. If a fact's in doubt, you'll go find things out and give more details when you circle back. You're no hack, Jen Psaki, you're no hack. Even when right-wingers go on the attack, you put them in their place with a smiling face. And with style and grace, that's how Jen Psaki circles back. You're a bright, refreshing sight to see. And we love your chunky jewelry. You give facts, Jen Psaki, you give facts about the helpful policies your boss enacts. And your all-women team is a feminist dream with the top talent decency attracts. Truth is back, Jen Psaki, truth is back. You don't care if schmucks on Fox are talking smack. When you're on TV, I can't wait to see how you patiently don't let jerks give you any flack. You've let fun and humor in again. You even call on schmucks at OAN. You're on track, Jen Psaki, you're on track to make press conferences an aphrodisiac. Forgive me if I gush, you're my new girl crush. I'm reduced to mush each time you say you'll circle back. My message is that we'll be watching you. <laughs> this is all wrong. I shouldn't be up here. I should be back in school on the other side of the ocean. Yet you all come to us young people for hope. How dare you? You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words, and yet I'm one of the lucky ones. People are suffering, people are dying, entire ecosystems are collapsing. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction, and all you can talk about is money and fairy tales of eternal economic growth. How dare you? For more than 30 years, the science has been crystal clear. How dare you continue to look away and come here saying that you're doing enough when the politics and solutions needed are still nowhere in sight. You say you hear us and that you understand the urgency. 
But no matter how sad and angry I am, I do not want to believe that. Because if you really understood the situation and still kept on failing to act, then you would be evil, and that I refuse to believe. The popular idea of cutting our emissions in half in 10 years only gives us a 50% chance of staying below 1.5 degrees and the risk of setting off irreversible chain reactions beyond human control. 50% may be acceptable to you, but those numbers do not include tipping points, most feedback loops, additional warming hidden by toxic air pollution or the aspects of equity and climate justice. They also rely on my generation sucking hundreds of billions of tons of your CO2 out of the air with technologies that barely exist. So a 50% risk is simply not acceptable to us, we who have to live with the consequences. To have a 67% chance of staying below a 1.5 degrees of global temperature rise, the best odds given by the IPCC, the world had 420 gigatons of CO2 left to emit back on January 1st, 2018. Today that figure is already down to less than 350 gigatons. How dare you pretend that this can be sold with just business as usual and some technical solutions? With today's emissions levels, that remaining CO2 budget will be entirely gone within less than eight and a half years. There will not be any solutions or plans presented in line with these figures here today because these numbers are too uncomfortable and you are still not mature enough to tell it like it is. You are failing us. But the young people are starting to understand your betrayal. The eyes of all future generations are upon you. And if you choose to fail us, I say we will never forgive you. We will not let you get away with this. Right here, right now, is where we draw the line. The world is waking up. And change is coming, whether you like it or not. Thank you. The COP25 meeting which is happening in Madrid right now, is almost over. And we unfortunately probably already know the outcome. World leaders are still trying to run away from their responsibilities. But we have to make sure that they cannot do that. We will make sure they that we put them against the wall and that they will have to do their job and to protect our futures. I remember a few months ago when I first saw the pictures from the strike in Torino. And when I saw those pictures of countless of people just filling up the streets, I felt so hopeful. 
Millions of people saw those photographs and that gave hope to millions of people. So thank you to the city of Torino. Bravo! Man, come on, man. Come the fuck on. So for our lighter fare, and then we're going to go into the major thing, just the hypocrisy of the Democrats and the media not to be able to touch it and a lot of CNN bashing because it's like what we do. There's only one skit I've ever been really proud of that I've done on the show. And after that, I kind of hung it up because it came out so good to me and to people I talked to that I said, well, that's about as good as I'm going to get because I am not, uh, I don't work for SNL. But I did a radio skit. Shit. 1918? So, uh, yeah. Here it is. It's Big Larry in the morning crew. Top of the hour. Time for weather and traffic. Sponsored by Big Dogs Barbecue. The best barbecue roadkill east of the Mississippi. This week's special, raccoon sandwich fries and a sweet tea. $4.99. And tell them Big Larry sent you and get some boiled peanuts for $0.99. Big Dogs Roadkill Barbecue. Whether fresh or a week old, we make it taste like barbecue sauce. Heading over to Chopper Dan, the eye in the sky, in the Z975 Chopper. How's traffic looking? I'm 55 o'clock on the way back to Murfreesboro for no apparent reason at all. I fought the east and west, the total mess for no reason at all. And I-24 inbound is a hot steaming garbage fire. This is, of course, caused by perpetual construction that has been going on since the mid-90s, designed to fix a long jam, but seems to be never actually helping one single bit. For Z975 Chopper. This is Dan I in the Sky Traffic. And thanks, Chama Dan. Now to Dan Thomas, WSMV Weather with today's forecast. Today you can expect sunny, partly cloudy to mostly cloudy skies, a 50% chance of rain, hail, sleet, tornadoes, snow, and blizzard conditions, with a 30% of a hurricane forming right over Nashville. Right over Nashville. Hell. I, I have no clue whatsoever for its Tennessee-Kentucky weather, and it will change every day, and my forecasting ability is horrible. That's why I have my 400-year-old dog on the set every day. Doesn't even scratch his ass during the whole morning show. Hell, I don't even know if he's breathing. He's just a prop to cover up how much I suck. That's right, I suck. Well, that and us saying Doppler radar 400 times a show... And have ads every day touting our real-time Doppler radar. The only one in Tennessee. Well, the rest of the channel say the same things. But we are the real one. The real only Doppler radar. You can believe me. If not, just ask my dog. Wow, Dan Thomas from WSMV Weather. Thanks for the forecast or total meltdown. Whatever you want to call it. Uh, once again, traffic and weather brought to you by Big Dogs Roadkill Barbecue, the best barbecue east of the Mississippi. Now we're going to play one song because it's morning radio. We only play one song, then go back to weather and traffic, even though you live in a place that doesn't have a lot of traffic. And then we talk to each other and jerk each other off underneath the desk. So we're going to play a song from 1970 because we're still stuck in the 70s down here in the south. 
A huge portion of this show since the beginning has been censorship. How the media does the censorship by omission, how they frame stories, how nothing burgers are huge for the left, <clears throat> and nothing burgers are nothing burgers for the right. Nothing is bigger and more destructive than what Google has done since 2016. Once Hillary lost, they decided to put their finger on the scale. Now, it was already there. Already there. They already tainted their, their algorithms to push left-leaning narratives. Prior to 2016, you couldn't look up. Obama wearing a tan suit was a hard thing to pick up because they just buried it after it was done because it looked crazy. Nobody does that. But they've always slided things. This was their meeting. I've edited it down. It's like 100, 180 minutes, but we're only going to play a little bit of it. And there's a reason why I'm playing. The fact is that... Censorship. Anyway, on a more uh, serious note, you know, myself, um, uh, as an immigrant and a refugee, um, I'm, I certainly find this election uh, deeply offensive, and I know many of you do, too. Um, and, and I think it's a very stressful time, uh, and it uh, conflicts with many of our values. Um, I think it's, uh, it's a good time to reflect on that, and uh, you know, we're going to uh, hopefully uh, share some thoughts uh, today. Um, I guess you know, there are two dominant um, you know, reasons to be upset. One is because, you know, so many people uh, apparently don't share uh, many of the values that we have. Um, and I can go on. There, there is a lot of fear. And so I think, I think it's important to reach out, be aware of that fear. Uh, I would be sensitive and try and talk and have conversations uh, to the extent possible. We are so deeply committed to our values. Uh, you know, Sergey mentioned uh, mentioned at the start, nothing will change. I think we'll stand up always for the values we uh, believe in. And especially, I think, in a society, you stand up for people uh, who are minorities. And that's what defines a society. And we'll continue to do that. And yet, we do think that history is on our side in a profound and an important way. That Martin Luther King made famous a, a line that the moral arc of history is long, but it bends toward justice. I would say that the moral arc of history is long, but it bends toward progress. And out of progress comes rising living standards and better health care, and ultimately the ability to transcend those forces of tribalism, and yes, reach toward justice. So for 500 years, technology and trade has risen, have raised living standards around the world, and I think there's every sign that will continue to do that. That is, we standing in the world with respect to cyber espionage, and um, and harmed um, the ability, you know, for companies like ours to make arguments about the, you know, the problems of cyber espionage. Uh, uh, so there's a lot I love about this company: the values, the people, um, what we stand for. But one of the other amazing things about Google is its reach. You know, the products we make can overnight sometimes touch millions, billions of lives. But if you look, America's vast. I mean, it's 44 hours from Boston to San Diego by car, according to Google Maps. And the world's a lot bigger than that. And um, 
people feel left out of, I think, the tech wave as much as they do about the policies of uh, the last administration, and I think that's what's led to a lot of the decisions you've seen. Google can, has so much they can do to educate and empower to help people access information and tools to make them more informed citizens and more successful. Um, and as Kent said, all politics is local, so sometimes the, the answer is to really get boots on the ground. But when I think about what Google does best often, it's the high-scale, low-touch efforts. Um, and seeing how this election worked, it makes me think maybe the opposite is, is needed too, that high-touch, low-scale. So my question to you, my charge is, is Google willing to really invest in, in grassroots, super hyper-local efforts to bring tools and services and understanding of Google products and knowledge to all these communities far flung around the US and the world so people can really be informed citizens and make the decisions that are really best for themselves and their countrymen? So Google's mission is to organize the world's information and make it useful. But during this election cycle, we've seen a lot of uh, misinformation, disinformation. We've seen a lot of fake news coming from fake news websites being shared by millions of low information voters on social media. And ultimately, there's been many, many people who've been voting, who've been acting based on completely made up uh, information. So can Google do anything to try to filter this out, to tr try to do something against uh, very organized, very intense uh, campaigns of disinformation targeted at, at low information people? Look, I, I think our investments in machine learning and AI is a big opportunity here. Uh, you know, there are work we have done. Uh, the Jigsaw team did around what they call conversation AI around, you know, to to look at bullying and you know commenting. And so a lot of this is a problem of scale and not being able to keep up. So like human systems fail in many of these things. So I think, but you know, investing more in machine learning and AI could be one way we actually make progress on some of this, uh, the, uh, some of this stuff. Uh, but I think we should do more. And, and probably worth noting, this also ties into cybersecurity because we saw a lot of cyber trolling, you know, by like nation states cyber trolling, uh, and basically Russia. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, we've seen it over time. I guess I don't know. It's never really taken all that seriously. But you know, all the comment boards, and everything um, by these like faux trolls. So that, that's something else I. I think we ought to really focus on. Uh, audience question, yes. Uh, one of the main messages I've gotten from all of you today is that this election and others like it around the world are a hiccup in history's arc towards progress. But uh, what makes you so sure about that? I mean, is this a relatively new arc, or is this the same arc that has included two world wars? Mm. Since it's my metaphor, I'll take it up. Um, the, the, there are no guarantees, right? And there are, hiccup is a kind word. There, history is not a linear pattern. We do everything we can to keep it moving in a good direction. Uh, that was eight years ago. How far have they gone? Well, we know they suppressed the Hunter Biden story. And the Biden, the Biden documents was out a lot sooner than the media would cover it. What else are they pushing? What else are they suppressing? What else are they working their algorithms to do? It's obvious. You go on there, it's all negative Donald Trump. 
And Donald Trump's a piece of shit. I don't want to be president, but I'd rather have him than somebody who can't even fucking function. Takes a nappy time and eats pudding. Since 2020, questioning elections has become verboten. But I remember a time when, after 2016, the left was all about election denial. And it's totally apropos for the time we're in because they're already prepping. If Biden, if Biden loses, we're going to go take the Supreme Court. Because they're going to do the same thing the right tried to do. And unlike the right, the left won't have the media to cook up lie stories. Remember, it wasn't Hillary's fault Russian collusion really was as big as it was. She just put it out there. It was the media that ran with it. And they even told us how they did it. Nancy Pelosi talked about it. We get a friendly journalist to put it out there. Then somebody else does it. Or we put one article out and the FBI checks on it. That's exactly what they did for Russian collusion. They put one story out. Then they went after him. Because they knew if they handicapped him, he wouldn't be able to get a lot done. And they had done so much dirty shit in eight years. Affordable Care Act, neither Affordable or Care Act. Ring a bell? They didn't want to get fined out. So here is just 10 minutes of a 24-minute tape of all of the left questioning elections going back to 2000, 2004, midterms 8, 12, 16, 18, 20, 22, name them all. The fact is that... You can run the best campaign... You can even become the nominee, and you can have the election stolen from you. How can you win with Russian interference, though? That's, That's a real what thing. I'm scared about no, in 2020. But, but rightly. Because right. I think he's an illegitimate president that didn't really win. So how do you, you know, fight against that in 2020? You are absolutely right. He's an illegitimate president in my mind. Would you be my vice presidential candidate? <laughs> Folks, look, I absolutely agree. Trump didn't actually win the election in 2016. He lost the election, and he was put into office because the Russians interfered. Russia interfered with our election, attacked our democracy for the sole purpose of artificially placing someone at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. They were successful. Trump knows he's an illegitimate president. The president-elect, although legally elected, is not legitimate. I don't see this president-elect as a legitimate president. You said you believe that Russia's interference altered the outcome of the election. I do. We have a president who, if in fact it is proven, uh, has been assisted by the Russians and may in fact not be a legitimate president. The one thing that Trump is fearful of uh, when it comes to his being president is that finally we will see how illegitimate his victory actually was. I have an objection. I object to the 15 votes from the state of North Carolina. I object because people are horrified. He's an illegitimate president. Our election was hijacked. There is no question. Congress has a duty to hashtag protect our democracy and hashtag follow the facts. John Lewis is completely right. There is a cloud of illegitimacy around the election of Donald Trump. The Russians interfered with his election. James Comey and the FBI interfered with his uh, election. The fake news industry interfered with his election. Trump knows he's an illegitimate president who got illegitimate foreign help. 
Do you believe Trump is a legitimate president? What I believe is that there's no question that the outcome of this election was affected by the Russian interference. Uh, there absolutely is a cloud of illegitimacy. So that legitimacy is in question, yes. So that was a very tainted election, and, and in that sense, it's, it's illegitimate. Why do you think the president is going to such great lengths to essentially prove that he beat you? Because he knows he didn't. He knows he's an illegitimate president. Stolen emails. Stolen drone. Stolen drone. Stolen election. Welcome to the world of unprecedented Trump. So do you believe President Trump is an illegitimate president? Based on what I just said, which I can't retract. <laughs> he tweeted in February 2018, quote, the more we learn about the 2016 election, the more illegitimate it becomes. America deserves to know whether we have a fake president in the Oval Office. The Russian attempt to, ha to have the election, and frankly, the FBI's uh, weighing in on the election, I think make the, make, makes his election illegitimate. There was a widespread understanding that this election was not on the level. We still don't know what really happened, Isaac. I mean, there's just a lot that I think will be revealed, history will discover, but you don't win by three million votes and have all this other shenanigans stuff going on and not come away with an idea like, whoa, something's not right here. Seems to me that there's a cloud of illegitimacy that continues to hang over 1,600 Pennsylvania Avenue. The outcome of the election was affected by their interference, and now we need to know, you know to what degree, uh, if any, the Trump campaign was actually in collusion with the uh, with, so with Russia. He knows he's an illegitimate president, so of course he's obsessed with me, and I believe that it's a guilty conscience. We actually won the last presidential election, folks. They stole the last presidential election. And Al Gore won that election. I think he won it anyway. Actually, I think <laughs> I carried Florida. Al Gore won the election nationwide and also in Florida, but the Supreme Court ruled the other way. Al Gore got more votes, but not enough to stay out of the Supreme Court where President Bush was elected 5-4. Bush versus Gore. A court took away a presidency. If all the votes were counted in Florida, that Al Gore would be president today and George Bush would be back in office. I come from Florida where you and others participated in what I call the United States coup d'etat. Since 2013, according to reports, Vice President Joe Biden, he claimed that Al Gore was the one who was elected president. And he claimed that the recount result was, quote, a bad decision. And never forget, dear friends, what they did in Florida to Al Gore and me, to all of us, to older Americans, to African Americans, to Haitian Americans, denied the right to vote and have those votes counted. I do believe that the projections were right in the first place at 7 o'clock when they called it for Gore. Let me tell you something, without a doubt, George Bush did not carry Florida, and it was not close. There's no question that you won the state of Florida. Oh, thank you, Charles. No, it's a question. <laughs> That's a we question. Will we will never know because the votes weren't, weren't counted. But, but the, and, and did, in your judgment, no, I mean, that's <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. And there is no other way of saying it but be very blunt. Al Gore won the state of Florida in 2000, and we should never forget it. Most Americans, or a great many Americans, don't have confidence that the election of 2000 was fair. But I don't believe we lost. I, 
I believe we just failed to have all of the votes counted. The yes, Supreme yes, Court elected the president. 2004, yes. Al Gore won the state of Florida in 2000, although not the presidency. We know we won this election. They know we won this election. And Americans know we won this election. I know some people want you to believe that the Gore campaign was a campaign that wasn't able to complete its mission. We did. Had all of those votes been counted in Florida, uh, I think Al Gore would be president today. We had more votes. We won, and we are never going to let the United States Supreme Court choose the president of the United States again. You should know by now, based on the fact that he lost the popular vote by more than a half million voters, and we don't know how many he lost by in Florida. There's no doubt in my mind that Al Gore was elected president. I rise to object to the fraudulent 25 Florida electoral votes. Really, we won the election in 2000, but they stole the election. I must object because of the overwhelming evidence of official misconduct, deliberate fraud, chair, and an attempt the to chair suppress must remind Enron had already helped the Bush team with such favors as ferrying their rent-a-mob to Florida in 2000 to permanently halt the counting of legally cast ballots. It is signed by myself on behalf of my diverse constituents and the millions of Americans who have been disenfranchised by Florida's inaccurate vote count. The Supreme the, uh, Court, not the is, people of the United the, States, decided this election. Speaking to a Democratic group in Chicago Tuesday, he made it clear he thinks Al Gore was the winner. By the time it was over, our candidate had won the popular vote. And the only way they could win the election was to stop the voting in Florida. Katherine Harris, Jeb Bush, Jim Baker, and the Supreme Court hadn't tampered with the results. Al Gore would be president. I think that the issue before us today uh, is not who won or should have won the 2000 presidential election. That issue has been settled, not to my uh, belief, but it has been settled. Let's just drop the vice. President, President Gore, that's all right. Al Gore should have been President of the United States. Al Gore uh, made it possible for George Bush to be the only appointed president in the history of these United States. The Democrats have won the past three presidential elections. In 2000, unions turned out 25% of the vote, and Al Gore won. But the Supreme Court tampered? That's a large charge. The Supreme Court stopped the counting of the votes, and if they'd let the count go on, Al Gore would have got the necessary votes. The Supreme Court selected George W. Bush as the president. He was not elected. There is overwhelming evidence that George W. Bush did not win this election. What I observed uh, as a voter, as a citizen of Illinois, four years ago were troubling evidence of the fact that not every vote was being counted. Don't think that George W. Bush won the election uh, in 2000 against Al Gore because I, th I think he probably lost Florida and also that nationwide. If you invite me back on this show in about eight weeks, I think you're going to learn that Al Gore actually did get all the votes there. I felt what happened in Florida was a carefully worked out conspiracy. That many things could not go wrong in one, one state without there having been a conspiracy. Uh, and many, many different things did go wrong. Many tricks were pulled of various kinds. The vice president did win, but, uh, and I do believe that the majority of voters that intended to, to go to polls last year wanted to vote and cast their votes for Al Gore. 
I do believe that in, in, in terms of Florida as well. The court has been thwarting formation of the popular will, the most spectacular example being Bush versus Gore, where the majority by a 5-4 vote enjoined the counting of more than 100,000 ballots in Florida and essentially gave America its first court-appointed president. Even though Al Gore won the election, he won't take office. That election was stolen from the rightful winner. So, Mr. Speaker, I'm here today. We're going to do a media section on this, but I, I just want to see. This is okay. None of that gets the light of day. These are conservative outlets finding these statements, making things in or putting out a uh, basically a video showing what the left has said with their own words. And since George Floyd, the left has tried everything to squeeze out or squirt out of the reality. They called for this and they installed it and they did it and then we had bad crime and the Ferguson effect started coming into every city since Ferguson. And if you never listen to this podcast, all you gotta do is go back into the catalog. We covered Ferguson. We covered fucking Trayvon Martin. We covered every one of these and after it's over, the cops there just sit in their car because they're not gonna get busted. They need the damn job. And the black... Leaders come in and they push everything. I know the camera's vibrating. I'm so sorry. They push it to, it's like catch and release on the border. Guys do all sorts of, and who gets hurt? Is it white people? No. Is it rich people? No. Is it conservatives? No. It's African-American, poor income, brown people who get hurt by this stuff because the police don't protect them anymore. So here's six minutes and 41 seconds. I edited down of the left calling to defund the police. Yet today, it's nowhere to be found. Jews are policing in schools and all the rest that perhaps we can uh, shuffle some of that money around. Suck it up. Defunding the police has to happen. We need to defund the police. Mayor Eric Garcetti saying, take some of the money from policing, about $150 million. I applaud Eric Garcetti for doing what he's done. Not only do we need to disinvest for in police, but we need to completely dismantle the Minneapolis Police Department. So yes, defund your butts. Defund you. Yes, I support the reallocation of resources uh, from NYPD. We will be moving funding from the NYPD to youth initiatives and social services. They are talking about reducing uh, the allocation of resources to that department. And I think every single city in this country ought to be thinking about the same thing. Yes, I support the defund movement. I'm for responsible reallocation of resources and defund the police i think you do all those other things you don't need all the money that's going to the police department so yeah i mean the spirit of it i i i do support that yeah and you know a lot of us were asked if we could imagine a future without police back in 2017 when we were running for office and i answered yes to that question we are going to reduce funding in the police department and redirect that money there's no reason the police budget should just keep growing and growing and growing they can make sensible cuts to police. We propose to redirect over $7 million from the police bureau. That our city, through our city administrative officer, identified $250 million in cuts. Rashida Tlaib tweeting, no more policing, incarceration, and militarization. It can't be reformed. When they're saying defund the police, what are they saying? They're saying we want fundamental, basic change when it comes to policing. 
uh, and they're right. We are reallocating funds. The, the police department here in Minneapolis needs to be dismantled and we need to start anew. In some necessary cases, completely dismantling those police forces. Police departments uh, are taking a sizable uh, amount of the budget of a lot of municipalities and, and other entities. Uh, we need to look at those budgets, pull some of the money back and invest it in other things. We are committed to shifting resources. Our calls to defund the police have been met with resistance. To stop investing so much money in this militarized police force and instead invest in the things that our community really needs. Yes, I support a radical reimagining of community safety and public safety. I do believe that we need to re reallocate resources away. And will this involve cuts? Yes, of course, to every department, including the police department. And so when we dismantle it, we get rid of that cancer. When we said defund the police, the world woke up. I, I really love that uh, Black Lives Matters and uh, other protesters have put this front and center to defund. Defunding police means defunding police. If these reports are accurate, then these proposed cuts to the NYPD budget are a disingenuous illusion. This is not a victory. The freshman Democrat adding the fight to defund policing will continue. We are going to reimagine policing in New York City. I think the idea of having a police-free future is very aspirational. And I am willing to stand with community members who are asking us to think of that as the goal. Should be defunding or dismantling their police departments, such as in Minneapolis and, and New York. My answer is yes to that. We need to be looking at it clearly. Which means reallocating mm -hmm. um, and, and not further investing in a carceral state. Going through a process of dismantling that institution. So defunding the police um, for me, it means a reallocation of funds. Why use the word defund? Why use the word defund? And it's like, this is the word that's coming from the streets, you know? We're going to dissolve the gun violence reduction team, the school resource officer program, and the transit specialty units. You don't have one bad apple. You don't have four bad apples. You, you have a, a system-wide problem in that police department. And only by completely dismantling that system and rebuilding it intentionally with the community members at the table, do you have any hope of, of getting it right? Coming together as a community to reimagine what public safety looks like for us. Uh, we talk about defunding the police, uh, defund defunding the Pentagon. My push is that we defund our police departments. This idea of reprioritizing our budget um, this idea of, of moving funds and reinvesting. It means that we need to look at ways in which we can reduce the amount of resources that we're providing to the department, redirect those funds. To make sure that um, that defund is first understood and that we bring that home to our community. So Minneapolis unanimously just voted on a resolution that will engage uh, the community uh, on a one-year process of what happens as we go through the process of dismantling the department and starting anew. And what we committed to was a community process to help reimagine public safety. The city council in Minneapolis made the right decision. So when we talk about defunding, it can show up in multiple ways. We obviously 
took money out of the NYPD budget, put it into youth programs, put it into social services, put it into recreation centers for young people. Um, that's really the, the right direction. I'm glad we did that. Not only do we need to defund, but we need to dismantle and start anew. Allows us to really reimagine what public safety should look like in our community. It means a dramatic reduction in the number of police in our poor communities, and particularly our poor black and brown communities. I'm asking you to ask yourself, what are you willing to sacrifice to make sure that overfunded police departments are defunded? Our commitment is to end our city's toxic relationship with the Minneapolis Police Department, to end policing as we know it. And so what we are advocating for is a reorientation, reimagining of what public safety should be. Due to J6, we've been able to witness some blazingly partisan, crazy-ass hypocrisy on your social media, on your media, and by the left. Remember, once again, the White House almost fell under Trump during George Floyd. Instead of reporting that the White House almost fell, they reported we the D.C. police use CS which wasn't true it was never true it was HC smoke as they try to burn a church and they injured people in the White House the president was taken to the bunker the media treated it as he's a pussy there was nothing wrong the video shows something different It subsequently happened again, but nobody covered it because they're doing a, a protest. They want them to protest. Palestine. We've had some violent shit said by the left. And we clung to Trump doing a stupid speech about a stolen election. I think Biden won at one, but do you really believe Biden got 81 million votes? There's never been that many people vote. That's a 400, 448 million people. There's some statistics show there's not even 148 million people that can vote. And there's been a bunch of people go to jail for fraud. <clears throat> media just doesn't cover it. Conservative media does. So... During our journey of eight years, we've had things like this come up, and this is five minutes and 17 seconds of the left calling for violence, and will take us straight in to our first mostly fucking peaceful media segment as our media jerk-off of I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions. Kamala Harris seemingly praising the summer's chaos. This is her in her own words. You decide. 
this is a movement i'm telling you they're not going to stop and and everyone beware because they're not going to stop it is going to they're not going to stop before election day in november and they're not going to stop after election day and that should be everyone should take note of that on both levels that this isn't they're not going to let up and they should not and they should not and we should not now, two weeks before those comments, a violent horde of far-left rioters, they breached the walls around the White House. Did Senator Harris call this an insurrection? Of course not. The president and his family, they had to be rushed to a secure bunker. It took the Secret Service several painstaking hours to push back the perimeter and prevent the rioters from storming the White House. Any Democrats, members of the media mob, strongly condemn what happened? No, not really. That's because the left only sees violence when it's politically advantageous. Press always asks me, don't I wish I were debating him? No, I wish you were in high school. I could take him behind the gym. That's what I wish. They asked me, would I like to debate this gentleman? And I said, no. I said, if we were in high school, I'd take him behind the gym and beat the hell out of him. If you had to be stuck in an elevator with either President Trump, Mike Pence, or Jeff Sessions, who would it be? <laughs> Does one of us have to come out alive? <laughs> you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd. And you push back on them. And you tell them they're not welcome. When they go low, we kick You cannot be civil with a political party that wants to destroy what you stand for, what you care about. When you're in the arena, you got to be ready to take a punch. You got to be ready to throw a punch for the children. Go to the hill today. Get up and please get up in the face of some Congress people. I don't think uh, even in states where Donald Trump won big that it does you any good running away from Donald Trump. I think you need to go back and, and punch him in the face. Nancy Pelosi herself wasn't interested in condemning the far left rights. Remember, people just do what they're going to do. Wow. Take a look. Respectfully, shouldn't that be done by a commission or the city council, not a mob in the middle of the night throwing it into the harbor? People will do what they do. It, it, it's a... It is, uh, I do think that from a safety standpoint, uh, it would be a good idea to uh, have it taken down if the community doesn't want it. I don't know that it has to be a commission. According to Jerry Nadler, the summer's violence was just a myth. What you saw with your own eyes wasn't true. It was a myth, according to him. Do you disavow the violence from Antifa? That's happening in Portland right now? That's, that's, right. That's, that's a myth. That's being spread only in Washington, D.C. About Antifa in Portland? Yes. How dare he say the things he does? Of course I want to punch him in the face. Right. Yes. Yes. I have thought an awful lot about blowing up the White House. This is fake blood, just so you know. I won't give away what we're doing, but Tyler and I are not afraid to do images that make noise. I just wonder... Trump needs to be medicated and hospitalized. <laughs> Shakespeare's play, Julius Caesar, like you've never seen before. A man dressed to look like President Donald Trump gets stabbed to death on stage. When was the last time an actor assassinated a president? It's been a while. And maybe it's time. <laughs> 
That's rapper Snoop Dogg pulling the trigger on a toy gun aimed at a clown dressed as President Donald Trump. The psychotic rage was even worse on Twitter. A few weeks ago, Deborah Messing actually hoping the president would be raped in prison. Sean, listening to all that, it just gives me this warm, fuzzy feeling and reminds me of how we're so close to unity now that Joe Biden's about to be sworn in. I don't understand why no one's calling for the impeachment of Kamala Harris. She was the one who actually raised money to get rioters and looters out of jail so they could get right back to the riot and to the looting. Isn't that an incitement of violence? And that's what they're accusing the president of. We have come to demand that Congress do the right thing and only count the electors who have been lawfully slated, lawfully slated. I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. Today, we will see whether Republicans stand. I am Republican, the media jerk-off of the week. I want to be clear in how I characterize this. This is a, mostly a protest. Uh, it is not. Uh, it is not generally speaking unruly. That ain't a riot. What we're seeing right now in Minneapolis. They are strictly principled anti-fascists, and they've taken a premises and white nationalists wherever they may show up. I argue to you tonight: all punches are not equal. Morally, it says it right in the name Antifa, anti fascism, which is what they were there um, fighting. Listen, there's you know, no organization is perfect, there was some violence. Any reasonable person would say we shouldn't be destroying other people's property, but these are not reasonable times. But thank goodness for the looters, man. And please show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite and peaceful. I don't care that much about statues. Respectfully, shouldn't that be done by a commission or the city council, not a mob in the middle of the night throwing it into the harbor? People will do what they do. You're seeing behind me is one of multiple locations that have been burning in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Do not get it twisted and think that, oh, this is some something that has not never happened before and then this is so terrible and we're... People get mad and people get sick of it. People are risking COVID to explain to this country that we're fed up. Most of the major movements in American history have started at the grassroots level and at some point have turned into direct conflict with American government. So remember your history before you judge your present. Thuggishness is thuggishness wherever it comes from politically and, and we should. It was actually pretty fucking blazingly ignorant that guy said that. I watched it live on TV. I was watching during that time. But he actually said that. What the fucking fuck, bro? What the fucking fuck, bro? So that's one. Here's the next one of them spinning, just spinning and spinning and spinning to protect the left.
it says it right here the effect and you see faster ripples or um, plastic ripples or no organization surface or environment the you reasonable person would say we shouldn't be destroying other people's property but these are not reasonable times let me demonstrate a meter if you want and please tell me where it says the protest is supposed to be polite and peaceful i don't care what my city thanks you And what podcast would we have if we just bring up a complete, devastating, and essential CNN supercut for the last eight years?
we are not fake news. We are real news. Much of the dossier has been corroborated. Some rioters were planning to murder lawmakers. What does Putin have on Trump? Has Trump been compromised? That Kavanaugh aided and abetted in the commission of a gang rape. But it does look like that young man to me is taunting the Native American Vietnam vet and he's in his face. When you start whipping people with, and you want to split hairs between reins and whips. There is no evidence of any wrongdoing by either Joe or Hunter Biden. Looking ahead to 2020, uh, one reason why I'm taking you seriously as a contender is because of your presence on cable news. A widely held conspiracy theory that the coronavirus was created in a Chinese laboratory. Dr. Fauci, thank you uh, for keeping it straight. Thank you for fighting the good fight. We know the science. We know that masks work. This is now a pandemic of the unvaccinated. It is now a pandemic of choice. You can stay unvaccinated if you want, but you're not going to be able to travel to see your family. Joe Rogan, uh, he came down with COVID. He says he says he's been taking the uh, livestock dewormer uh, ivermectin. I hope you are able to appreciate what you did in your state and what it means for the rest of the country. Disturbing video last night showed Jacob Blake unarmed, being shot by police. Obviously, we do it overseas against our adversaries, but we don't spy on Americans. If you want to believe the NSA is reading your favorite TV star's emails, go right ahead. He claims it's true. The NSA denies it, of course. There is no one more knowledgeable, more decent, more honest, uh, more committed to the interest of America than John Brennan. The biggest terror threat in this country comes from radicals on the far right, primarily white men. Domestic terrorism seems to be starting to spread virally in the way that we saw that happen overseas with ISIS. Violence has erupted during anti-lockdown protests. What you are seeing now, these images came and come in stark contrast to what we saw over the course of the daytime hours in Kenosha and into the early evening, which were largely peaceful demonstrations. If only. And that wraps up the eighth anniversary podcast of Flyover Politic Podcast. Share it with family and friends. Go to Flyover Politic with K on SoundCloud, Rumble, 482467. You can email the show at foppodcast at gmail.com, F O P P O D C A S T at gmail.com. Our other show is Old Dude Music Review. You can find that on Flyover Politic on SoundCloud. See the Rumble on 553 2123. So, what we're going to do for podcast to start the next eight years, hopefully, we'll see, is uh, sixth will be an Old Dude Music Review, seventh will be a Flyover Politic podcast. For those who have been with me from day one, I so appreciate you. Um, so many people I see come up, they've been listening the whole damn time, and I really appreciate it. This has been my therapy for the last two years, being sick and not really having a clue on what I could do. Still on the quest to find a job. Hopefully I'll get back to work and be a little better. But thank you for participating and my passion of yelling about the media, it sure is nice to put one of these together, send it out into the world, and at least have people listen to it. So I thank you all. I'll see you on Wednesday for Old Dude Music Review. Take care.